You can still hear me fine. Yeah, it was broken up for a second. That happens a lot, though. Yeah, I think that's when that we hit start recording usually. Okay. Okay. All right. We seem fine. Great. Great. <laughs> so, welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Patomaro, and Hats on Lamp. It's episode 86. For those of you tuning in for the first time and are hearing my voice in a new CRISPR, 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 a new CRISPR form, uh, we are a draft focused podcast. Our goal <laughs> is to you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty gritty of the drafting process with a little meta analysis and play tips thrown in. And this week, we're going to be talking about our rares. So we're going to finish up our series going through every single card in the new set. That's what How we're are doing. you doing, Hats? Sorry. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. You sound crisp. Oh, well, sound, thank you. you. That's, uh, as I mentioned last week within the episode with Gunner, I, uh, to try to turn this into a more professional operation, I finally, after two years, broke down and got a microphone. And I moved out of our living room couch into, our, into my office. So uh, now I have a microphone. I'm doing it in a recording studio and ready to rock and roll. I'm. I will admit, actually, I, I don't feel like any more professional. I was hoping this would change how I felt about recording the podcast, and it has had less of a psychological effect than I had been hoping for. What kind of psychological effect were you were you were you shooting for there? A transformational. Mis- professional because <laughs> professional isn't an emotion so you can't feel it <laughs> no, confidence not... Would you... yeah confidence like a confidence yeah. unease a sort of a feeling of being in the pocket where you can do no wrong because you've got the right tools the right equipment the right outlook the right way of being in the world <laughs> yeah i w- i was hoping i could like plug in this new microphone and then be able to to find the start record button on Skype on the first shot. But no, it was more difficult than usual. It was, it was more, well, well, I have a stupid mic in front of me. I can't see the screen. <laughs> can't see the part of the screen that you need to hit record on. Well, a few few kinks still to work out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been a disaster, really. People don't know, but I, I you're now sitting in your boiler room. <laughs> I am. That's that's my fault, really, though. That's a series of events on my end. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sitting in the boiler room because that's where my modem is, and I want to be plugged into my modem instead of doing this wirelessly. Yeah, and uh, it's it's going to pay off in in listening quality, but not in my comfort. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we know that our our nights are going disastrously, but how was your draft week? My draft week was fine. A little bit here and there. I would say that this was a weaker uh, draft week than than I've been having, and I don't really know why. Uh, I think that the format keeps evolving. People keep trying different strategies, and uh, what I'm doing isn't syncing up that well with what other people are doing right now, I guess. Um but uh, it's not like I've had a disaster. I still, I've still been holding my own. But I've, I've definitely not been getting the streak of seven wins that I was uh, earlier in the month. 
Um, but no, no real complaints. I'm still enjoying the format. I think there's relatively few things that really make it feel uh, repetitive, um, even though, yeah, you do run into uh, these sort of aggressive fire decks every now and then, and those games can feel similar to each other. But I'm still seeing people do creative things, occasionally getting really cool decks myself, even if they're not necessarily seven win decks, they're still fun. So uh, I'm feeling pretty positive about the whole eternal drafting thing. I am starting to get ready for them to shake things up a little bit, switch up the rarities in uh, in the uh, in the curated draft packs again. That would be that would be okay with me about now. Um, Mm -hmm. But if they don't do that, then I'll probably still be doing a fair amount of drafting because I am enjoying it. So that's how. How was your draft week? Uh, my draft week is very similar to last week. I'm, I still, I don't know. I'm like in this slightly above fifty percent slump, where okay. I'll spike a couple drafts and get seven wins, and then I will do a bunch of two threes in a row, and I don't really know what's different about any of the drafts like some of my two threes felt like really strong decks like i feel like i have a solid grasp of the format and i i feel like i know when i draft a strong deck and when i don't draft a strong deck and it really has not felt correlated to how much i'm winning (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah that can be frustrating yeah even rakano decks i feel like have people it feels like people have definitely figured out ways to beat Rakano. Obviously, you can still get like unbelievable decks, but um, a lot of my Rakano decks have felt like if they play a Dark Water Vine on one, I'm like, oh shoot, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> never going to get in enough damage before they stabilize. Well, yeah. I mean, the Basher is usually pretty good against uh, Dark Water Vines because it can only jump twice. Yes, but it gives them enough time. You know, I think one of the things that can happen through Rakano decks is is like if they can deal with your early threats and you just haven't, you know, gotten enough damage in, they can stabilize with in a bunch of different ways. And uh, that's true. Also, Basher activates their dark water vines. Come to think of it. But even like other decks, I mean, I finally drafted a film deck that didn't go. Oh, three. Um, but <laughs> so that was pretty exciting. I guess that was the highlight of my week. That's weird. That's weird. I thought that's what they were for. Is <laughs> yeah. uh, going two three with a pretty good looking film deck. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> ah, soaring, soaring through the clouds. So yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry that it's not it's not clicking. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll get into this probably not this week, but just like. It feels like the like you said the format's evolving. So I'm also having I don't know. It's just like interesting. Like there was a few weeks ago where I talked about how I kept ending up in like Elysian decks or Hoodoo decks because you would just be able to get four Mavaloth elites and Primal is really underdrafted. But like a, a lot of these like fallbacks, I feel like have disappeared. And then so now I'm a little bit more lost in drafting. And then I find myself keep drafting like half of a synergy deck, which is obviously never where you want to be. Like I'll get a deck with four Mavaloth deletes and zero hardinesses, or I'll get a deck with four hardinesses and zero Mavaloth deletes. 
or yeah that can happen it's hard especially if you go if you go in early on a strategy and you're like well if i even get a little bit of synergy with this just just a few things then this is going to be a great deck and then it doesn't happen because you have to commit so hard early on um i've had that happen with the amplify decks where i'm getting the mavel off elites and the shock troops and like well all i need is <laughs> hardiness is uh or even one hardiness and uh, realign the stars to go fetch it or something and then that just never happens somehow um and then it, it, it's that that's like your first like eight picks wasted sometimes. <laughs> and it's really hard to switch lanes after that. Yeah, well, I I think part of it is, at least for me, is. Yeah, you can find yourself like getting into these decks off the the commons, but like the uncommons are such linchpins to a lot of the strategies that if you like commit to a deck without getting the uncommons you just have to like hope to get really lucky in pack four and if, if that doesn't happen you get really screwed but then sometimes you just have a bunch of bad packs you know in pack one and you you don't like see any of these signpost uncommons to to lead you down a strategy and so then you're like trying to pick up the signals from the commons and then you can just like end up in the wrong deck even though like all the comments were pointing you in a certain direction or whatever it feels like uh yeah yeah i agree that can happen um also signpost on commons don't really mean what they would mean say in a magic the gathering draft where if somebody passes something late then you're going to see more things that support that strategy necessarily. Sometimes it's just a random card <laughs> that you see. It's like, um, and, you know, you'll see, well, let's say a quartermaster, you know, uh, the the Mabeloff quartermaster that draws cards every time you amplify. Um, like, if you see that late, that does not mean that the amplify strategy is necessarily open. It just means that six people didn't, didn't want it. <laughs> but they're going to be taking all the amplify cards anyway. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. But I guess I just also mean that some of the uncommons are just so strong that they, like, really help solidify a deck. Sure. Um, and then if you just, like, don't get these. You know, like... I don't know. I we talked about the the card uh, last week. Watchwing support. You know, I've had a couple decks this week, uh, either an Argent Port or or Huru that had a bunch of you know Justice weapons, and I'm like, wow, if, you know, Justice is really open. And if I get like a Watchwing support, that would really like solidify this deck. And then you just don't see that like really strong uncommon that would like take your take my deck over the edge or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel it's like, I guess they just feel like, I don't know. I'm having trouble putting the final touches on my deck almost or whatever. It's like, I feel like I'm drafting a deck and I'm like reading the signals. And then at the end of the draft, I was like, oh, no, that's, I don't know what I should have been drafting, but it, sh it should not have been the Amplify deck that I was trying for. Yeah, I've had, I, yeah, yeah, um. I've had a lot of drafts go like that where I was sure uh, of what was open, uh, especially lately. It's part of the problem why I'm not ending up with super strong decks is that it, it almost feels like the signals uh, are, are wrong for the first couple of packs because then what turns out to be open doesn't really line up. 
it it's t- it's it's tough it sort of feels like there's a uh um there's an a uh, there's sort of a domino effect where you get a few people drafting weird and then everyone has to draft weird after them because that's <laughs> you know that's what they've left in the packs is a random pile of garbage and so then everyone after that is also drafting randomly and then it can sort of mess up the signals for quite a while i think that's i think that happens sometimes it's impossible to prove but it feels like a a format can just go uh can just go weird for a few days and then sort of uh figure itself out again um later and yeah. sometimes it's fine to just take a break from the game if it feels like the draft packs are just not making sense where you're following signals and that, that for like the end like by the end of pack one you're sure for example fire is open and then it's not open in pack four and it really should be and that happens a few drafts in a row then it's time to it's time to take a break <laughs> yeah well that actually happened to me i drafted uh, a uh, i forget maybe it was an Argent port deck but i got a uh, um I got like an eighth pick. I got a second pick and an eighth pick martial efficiency. And I'm like, justice is open. This is great. And then I, uh, oh yeah, I guess this was a Rakano deck. And then I ended up fire was really open in pack two and three. And then I get to pack four and I was like a little light on units. And there was just like nothing in justice or fire. And I just like couldn't get, there were like no bastion gatekeepers. I couldn't get any two drops <laughs> to like fill out this deck. So I had this like great Rakano deck with a lot of great tricks and some pretty good fire units from the draft packs. Um, but like I really needed, and it's not even like I didn't, I, I picked up like three drifting drones or any, you know, or something in that final pack or whatever. It was just like, it was like not the dregs necessarily, but it just like, it was just like weird justice cards would appear, but not like, it wasn't like, wow, justice is open and I'm getting the good cards. It was just like, there's a justice card in each pack or each pick, but they're like totally random. <laughs> so this happens to everyone in case you're, in case you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, draft those all every time I draft, it's weird and bad. And it makes me sad forever. That happens. To, that happens to us too. <laughs> yeah. All the time. All right. Well, that was a really long uh, how was it was. last week. But uh, going on to announcements, uh, where we plug the Patreon at patreon.com slash farmingeternal, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our show notes and some recording bloopers, um, as well as get a shout out each and every week um, for supporting the show. So thank you very much to Cotillion, Loki, Trickster, Sigma Tank, Mercurio Blue, Abednego, Meagles, Madness, Parmalee, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Homerid, Raven Dragon, Esrit0215, Sunblaze, Worked on Sun, and Yistow. Uh, we really appreciate it. So this week, uh, we're eschewing Card of the Week, and we're going to do a Pick of the Week. And this was kind of an uh, interesting pick, uh, Someone posted this on the main Discord uh, a few days ago, and I just happened to be looking at the main Discord, and I made some, gave some thoughts on this pick, and then it turned into like a two-hour discussion. Uh, so it was kind of interesting. Um, so I kind of wanted to 
see what your thoughts were on this pick. It it actually started with this person saying like, oh, this is a, a bad pack one pick one, which I kind of disagreed with. Um, but it's not great, but it's I could think of worse packs. So uh, so the rare is trade agreement, which is the three time relic. And it says fast spells can't be played fast and spells that aren't fast can be played fast. So not really a draft card. So the rare is out of it. Then the three uncommons, there's a silver titan, which is the seven time time six six endurance fate draw card if you have a sentinel. There's Shoal Stirrings, which is the five shadow shadow. Play two Mandrakes from your void. Fate, each unit in your void gets plus two attack. There is uh, the Rakano uh, Uncommon, which is the five Rakano four six roving workshop. And that's when you amplify a card, play a Valkyrie with plus one plus one for each amplify and flying. Um, so the rares out of contention. The uncommons, I think. The strongest one's probably Shoal Stirrings. In the right deck, certainly. Yeah. And then for the commons, uh, the major commons in contention in uh, Justice, there's a Bastion Gatekeeper, which is the 2 Justice 3-1 Sentinel Summon Plunder. There is an Oni Hybrid in Fire, which is the 4 Fire Fire 3-1 Flying Summon Draw a Weapon from Your Void. There's a Maveloth Delete, which is the 2 Primal 2-2. Two -two. And it grows whenever you amplify a card. And there's a hardiness. And I think those are the probably the best of the commons in the pack, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So what what does this pack say to you? I would probably take Bastion Gatekeeper. Um, the uncommons are all strong in the right decks, but there's such a high chance that n none of those three would make my final deck that I I wouldn't want to first pick it. But Bastion Gatekeeper is in the best faction, the strongest overall faction, I think, Justice. And um and so and I've never I'm never like I'm never cutting Bastion Gatekeeper, you know, it has the plunder on it and um it makes the rest of your deck run smoothly, even if it doesn't get to attack that many times. And of course it's a good top deck because it has plunder and because it can double in size. So uh, I think it's just the most solid and reliable of these. After that, I guess Maveloft Elite, but like we were just talking about um, uh, Elite, sometime you don't always get to play the Elite deck, um, and you're and you're counting on Primal to hook you up, which is not a guaranteed thing. Uh, you might not. It, it, Justice is a much deeper faction than Primal, right? In, at least in this format. So. If you if you go in on elite early and then try to back it up with a few a few more primal cards or a few amplify cards, there's a chance that you'll just get cut off for most of the draft. So I would say gatekeeper is the safest card and it's a good card by itself. So that's why. Yeah, that's that's what I said. I said I would take probably Bastion Gatekeeper, and that like in a vacuum, I think probably in the right deck. Like like you were saying, I think the strongest card, if you're in the Mandrake deck, Shoal Stirrings is probably the strongest card in the pack. And then if you were in the Amplify deck, uh, Maveloft Elite is probably better than Bastion Gatekeeper as like the, it has a higher ceiling than Bastion yeah. Gatekeeper. Yeah, it's potentially a very strong card. Yeah. Uh, but I think Bastion Gatekeeper is like 
is the card that's most likely. I well, Maveloft Delete is definitely making your primal deck, even if you get no amplify cards. Oh yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of uh, what I like about Maveloft Delete is your opponent doesn't know how many amplify cards you have in your deck or in your hand, and so it's a really hard card to block because <laughs> yeah. they they don't know how hard they're going to get hit if you attack with it. So it's got a lot of intimidation factor. Yeah, and because hardiness is just it's so ridiculous with hardiness. That's yeah. Um, just today, in fact, I had like no turn to play. Um, I was on the on the draw, and then my opponent played a turn two Mabel off delete, and then I was like, "I'm just gonna rebuke this." <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like I don't want to. I don't want to have to think about this the whole game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hardiness is a little too good with a lot of cards in this set. Um, but uh, it's most common with Maveloft Elite because they're both commons. But I had someone play a, a Bast- uh, Bastion Garrison, you know, where it makes a soldier for every time mm-hmm. someone amplifies. And they just kind of waited until they had eight power and then cast the hardiness on something just arbitrarily at the end of my turn. Made seven soldiers, all of which are 3-2 because the Garrison also gives them plus one, plus one and just murdered me. And I was like, well, yeah, hardiness. OK. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, it does. You know, with a uh, glacial shaper, which is an old card with renown, like hardiness goes really well with renown. Yeah, and there's it a does. there's a few uh, a couple good uh, justice renown. Or there's the glacial shaper, and then there's the the big Valkyrie New Order Watchwing. Yeah, I've I've had the pleasure of casting a hardiness on on New Order Watchwing and, and creating a massive relic weapon. It's a good time. Yeah, but yeah, so I I said Bastion Gatekeeper, and then. Uh, multiple people said that was insane. <laughs> uh, really? What would it, what did they want to pick? Mabel off delete. They said it's so much obviously stronger than Bastion Gatekeeper. All right. And I was like, well, I was like, I could see you picking Mabel off delete. I just don't think Bastion Gatekeeper <laughs> could be classified as insane. No, no, and, definitely not. And they said uh, the, the I guess the argument was was that. I was way undervaluing Primal because I said one of the reasons I'd pick Bastion Gatekeeper is I think Justice is just a stronger color and it's an easier deck to get into. You're yeah. much less likely to train wreck if you're in Justice than if you're in Primal. That's true. And um, and they disagreed, but I was like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, I've drafted a lot of Primal decks and I've had a lot of train wrecks. And I'm like... Uh, I just wanted to see what your thoughts were to make yeah. sure that I wasn't insane. <laughs> no, my thoughts are my thoughts are like yours. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to just pull rank on everyone in the main in the main Discord, but I've been top ten for this entire month, <laughs> so I I feel like the way I'm approaching the format is probably fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree, and um, I do really everything that you do, just worse. So I feel like. <laughs> My opinions are are fine yeah. too. Well, they were. It's the same opinion as 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 mine. I think we're approaching draft the same way. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't know what the difference is between between players at this point. I think we've got a, sort of an army of people on our Discord that are mostly competing with each other for the top spots on the, yes. on the ranks at this point. I mean, I guess that's not true because <laughs> there are definitely other people that are not on the Discord that are playing and they're talking in the main Discord and 
draft it's always interesting as i feel like drafting a totally different format than me um because like the uh you know uh northern polarity who's the main person that speaks on the other on the other disc on the main discord uh they were kind of talking about how they feel like early on you really should take chances on high synergy decks because the synergies in this set are so strong so they were really leaning towards Mabel Up Delete or Shoal Stirrings. Yeah. Saying you I, think take it's, a... I think it's a risk. I've had enough success with low synergy decks in this format that I don't I don't care about getting a synergy deck. That's the main thing that it, that changed for me is obviously these synergies are very powerful in this set. However, um, I, I've gotten plenty of seven win decks with decks that are just sort of playing a bunch of good cards and the synergies are, are minor. So I, I'm comfortable just drafting cards that are very likely to be strong in my final deck rather than kind of, kind of shooting for the, and I, th- this has changed over the course of the format for me. Like at the beginning, I just wanted to try all of the crazy things. And there, and sometimes if I'm in the mood, I'll just be like, you know what? I just want to try to draft a synergy deck. Uh, you know, forget drafting the the boring, safe, more likely to succeed way. And um, sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. It's a risk because uh, yes, if it pays off, you're going to have a very strong deck. Um, but even a very strong synergy deck, you might not get all of the cards that you need in your hand at the same time, and then you might as well not be playing a synergy deck. You're just playing a bunch of bad cards. So, like, I, I just I just feel uh, that my approach uh, now lately is uh, uh, is of just playing um, of just playing solid cards, and then when synergies emerge, capitalizing on them uh, has has done a lot better for me than than taking risks did uh, back at the beginning of the format. Yes, yeah, I mean, and again, that, that's my view of the format. Like, I feel like there are some really strong synergies, and sometimes you run into the perfect synergistic deck, but. Just like most draft formats, like just drafting a curve and drafting some really good cards that work well together in more subtle ways is is a fine way to is a fine way to draft this format. Absolutely. And I had I had an opponent a couple of a couple of days ago who who made a a side street monitor, you know, the two one uh, flyer with regen and. I they they hadn't really hurt me yet. I was I was I had sort of a moderately aggressive deck, and so they had to play defense a little bit. So I was still at twenty five life. Um, and at the end of my turn, when they had five power up, they or something. I guess they wouldn't have needed five power anyway. At the end of my turn, they cast controlled demolition on the side street monitor. Uh, that gives it double damage, and then they put um, whatever that. Uh, it's a six cost fire card that. It gives a uh, unit plus three plus three and also does three damage to your opponent's face. So that did six damage to me as soon as it played it. And also it like, it, and then the, and then the, the, the Sentinel did 10 damage to me because it's now a five, uh, uh, a, a five power flyer. So that did a lot of damage to me. It did 16 damage to me in one turn. Uh, and then I killed it with send to market and I went on to win that game. And I was like, well, 
like, did you pass a bunch of send to market so you could assemble your super, like, Voltron, like, crazy win-out-of-nowhere deck? Because if so, I got that send to market and one, and, and, and countered your strategy, you know? Like, I sort of feel like that's what's happening, because I've been seeing send to markets late. Uh, if I'm seeing, like, a send to market ninth pick, somebody did something wrong. <laughs> they, didn't, yeah. they didn't, like, take a risk on synergy, and then maybe it paid off and they got a great deck. They they messed up. They didn't take send to market when it was open. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure that <laughs> in terms of win percentage, uh, taking safe cards and uh, assembling just consistent strong decks through, you know, two drops that plunder is is better than hoping to get hardy, uh, all the hardinesses in Mabeloft's Elite that you can right out of the gate. Yeah, no, that's where I am. So I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting pick. And it is. It's also, I'm fine. I'm obviously not ec- ecstatic, but I am, I'm fine first picking the Bastion Gatekeeper. Um, yeah. I mean, like, uh, it's sometimes hard to get enough two drops in this format, too. So, like, starting out with a good two drop is a totally fine way to start. Um, and, of course, Mabeloft Elite in all of this conversation is my second pick in this yes. pack it's not like I, it's not like i hate the card it's definitely my second pick here um and i would be you know not thrilled about that because i like to start off with a strong uncommon or rare if i can um but it would still be you know that'd still be fine because we love the elite decks often are very strong yeah yeah it's it's always interesting especially like hosting uh, a draft podcast because i'm very much like not a particularly confident person and like always very couched in like what I say. And I take that into draft a lot too, where I feel like there are, there are definitely like wrong picks, but they're like so close that I, most picks are like, or I don't know if it's most, but you know, there are definitely like picks where it's like so close that I don't know how you can say with confidence really very much about draft and to like to try to say that bastion gatekeeper is definitely the pick over maple off delete or maple off elite is definitely the pick over bastion gatekeeper seems like such a close call that it's like important to have a discussion and i'm not sure why you're one is trying to say like one is better it's like they're different strategies and you could prefer one strategy over the other but i don't e- i don't even know if necessarily one is more correct or not you know what i mean when with when you're especially when you're talking about a game with such randomness you put together on the discord uh, a list of the most drafted cards for some of the top drafters this month uh like john avon and gunner and me and uh maybe maybe other folks and our top cards that we're playing the most often were different some of them were the same but a lot of them were different which showed that we had different strategies but all all three of our strategies have been really successful for us and i think that that as as much as anything proves that you can go into a format like this um where there are several different viable strategies and and uh and and have your own approach and maybe have it have it pan out just as well as as what anybody else is telling you to do um so yeah there's uh, there's not necessarily one right choice at any given time. I just think that anybody that told you that taking Bastion Gatekeeper first in this particular pack is insane 
are wrong <laughs> because it's fine. That's a fine choice. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to say that it's insane. Yeah. Okay. That's. I guess I just. I just needed vindication. Yeah. That was the whole point of this. Consider yourself vindicated. This whole podcast. We can just. Hang I guess we're now. done. All right, that's yeah. our episode. <laughs> there are also there are rares. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. Oh right. Um, yeah. So we'll get to that soon. First, uh, seven win run breakdown, which is our long-standing data collection project, where uh, people send in their lists uh, to Farming Eternal, or send in their seven win list to Farming Eternal at gmail.com, or post them in the seven win channel of the Farming Eternal Discord in either exported deck list or any kind of eternal war cry link. And then we put them in a spreadsheet to break down like what factions are doing well, as well as sort of what cards are showing up the most. Um, and then each week we shout out everyone who submitted a list this week. So we got over 50 lists. And so thank you to Abednego, a boss, Alabazoo, beard, broken Celtic guardian, seven sizzle steam collector, Cotillion, Fafa, Papa, Fast Cookie, Full Robot, Gunner 116, Hatsan Lamps, Ip Longno, Jed the Hummer, John Avon, Mercurio Blue, Patomaru, Shab, Steve Irwin, Tempest Dragon King, Vader, and who does that? Thank you very much for taking the time, as well as thank you to John Holio for entering all the lists each week. So the big news this week is um, sort of as you alluded to probably without looking at the data. Um, justice has surpassed fire. Uh, we now have one more justice list than we have fire lists. Oh, crazy. So well, uh, I've been I've been methodically drafting as much Combre and Huru as I can. So that <laughs> might have something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so that's the that's the main thing. Um, and and so it, it now goes justice, fire, shadow, time, and then primal is not only the worst, but is continuing a downward trend. Oh. And um, it's kind of interesting because, again, not to go back to that pick above, but one of the one of the things that they mentioned is that like my dislike of primal is probably influenced by the spreadsheet that we keep and because it's not doing well it's like a self or reinforcing or self-fulfilling prophecy and i was like i trust me i'm <laughs> i've tried a lot of primal decks and they i have not done great for them and i feel like it's continuing to get harder to be in primal like like i was saying earlier like i'm seeing fewer and fewer of the key primal cards so i'm kind of wondering if other people are liking primal more which is making it harder to get into primal which is diluting it's already weak you know it's just not deep enough to support people liking mavel off delete uh yeah it could be uh that might be why i've had such a bad experience um going in early on the amplify deck uh usually i only do it now when it when it seems to be open because uh it, it, i think people people have figured it out the news is out that mabel off delete and hardiness are good so i think people are are going in on that whenever they can yeah exactly which is i think at least for me making it even harder to get into um so i think that's reflected in the data whether that's self-reinforcing and reflected in the data or an actual phenomenon 
across the <laughs> across the format is uh, TBD or not TBD and TBD will never be determined. <laughs> but uh, and then uh, the final thing is uh, if you're not part of the Discord, uh, sort of every week I've been posting sort of the top the top cards of the format. And uh, so if you want to see what cards are doing well, that is the place to check. And I, I might eventually put them on Eternal Warcry. Uh, Fafa Papa made a comment that they would like me to do that. And uh, I'm still deciding how, <laughs> how difficult that will be and whether I'll do it. But I'm not going to go into them this week because we are running long due to all our technical difficulties. So I don't want to do a deep dive on the top commons this week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll just talk for a long time about not talking about them. I have some thoughts. <laughs> no, I don't. I actually okay, have no thank, thoughts on that at thank all. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but as as we alluded to a long, long time ago, this week we are going to be talking about the top rares. And once again, we're going to be comparing them to our top uncommons, which we kind of decided uh, top five were Auto Tread, Martial Efficiency, Metal Fang, and then Vine Grafter, Nectar of Unlife were our top five uncommons and sort of like what rares we think are we would take above those, what are close to that, and what are some, once again, honorable mentions that probably don't make the cut, but either people think they're good or you know, maybe they're hard to evaluate or whatever. Sure. Uh, and then we're going to be leaving out rares that really aren't first pick material um, for, for whatever reason. We'll just talk about the ones that we can all we can all agree are at least playable. And you're insane to think differently. <laughs> insane. <laughs> OK, I'll get over this eventually. <laughs> No, not anytime soon, though. Not before the end of the podcast, I'm betting. Yeah, definitely not <laughs> before the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right, so shall we begin? Let's start with fire. Let's start with fire. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. And what? Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no. Uh, I was just going to say quickly, because uh, the top three uncommons are, are so ludicrous and r probably should be rares, uh, the bar is very high for, for what we would take over them. Because auto-tread martial efficiency and metal fang, especially, like, there's not a lot that you would take over them. They have to be pretty, they have to be pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the, one of the things. I, I will say, just as an overview, it does feel like the rares are not particularly strong in this format. There's not, At least like... compared to the last format, where they felt like they defined a lot of drafts. Yes, exactly. So there's definitely some like good cards in the rares, but there, and there's a handful of like really, really good rares. Um, but there's, it's not, they're not as deep as they, they were last format. Right. And then this list, it's funny. I, I, I made this list. Uh, I put all the rares that I thought were good into the spreadsheet and then I put them in order and then I let hats know. And then I was like, Oh, I don't, actually have that strong of opinions on on the ordering so you can move them around if you need to and then he moved them around and then i looked at it and i was like what is he thinking 
<laughs> and so it turns out I have stronger feelings than I thought I did about some of these rare placements. So this will be interesting because there's... Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the differences. Yeah. Yeah, Hats is a little more positive on some of these than I am. Okay. So let's begin with all that out of the way. So uh, in Fire, the rare we're taking above all else, and this is agreed upon, is... Uh, Dejang Lee, the Misfit, which is the four fire fire three four overwhelm summon each unit in your deck with the unique name gets plus three attack. Yeah, uh, I've, I've gotten a chance to play with it a couple of times very early in the format. I first picked Jang Lee and I got another one in pack four. Or, or actually, you know what? I got I got both of them in pack one, come to think of it. And from then on, I was just like, well, every unit I draft is going to be the only one. <laughs> just for fun. I'm not going to get any duplicates. And it's just going to be a Jing Lee deck. Uh, and I did go seven wins with that deck because it was absurd. Especially yeah. because there's so many flyers and there's flyers in fire. So every time one of those gets a big attack boost, it's like way more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. this is a card that sometimes weirdly goes late. You're like, why is this fourth pick? Like, I don't I don't understand what three cards you would pick over this card. It doesn't even have a bad body for the cost. No, it has Overwhelm, which is pretty great. And I think people just don't appreciate how easy it is to have a lot of units with unique names. And also don't appreciate the fact that this isn't like even-handed Golem. It does not turn off if you have non-unique names in your deck like you can have all your cards be unique names and then still just run three bashers like that's a totally viable (laughs) strategy yeah Yeah, that's fine yeah this doesn't have to give a bonus to everything in the deck to be um a card that really sets you up to win the long game like no other Mm -hmm. all right and then the cards that we say are close and uh, I guess we'll have to define what close means as we go on. Um, I'm defining it in my mind as cards that I would probably take below our top five uncommons most of the time. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and or if I was like feeling more build around you, like what we talked about, I might take them above, you know, above a top uncommon. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I might take it, you know, there's a cutoff below metal thing for me in my mind, too, where I, there's a lot of stuff I would take over Vine Grafter uh, yes. most of the time. But if I'm feeling very like I want to win this draft, I'd probably take Vine Grafter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Vine Grafter is like an interesting one because Vine Grafter actually really also wants you to get like a couple really good units to put in your market or whatever yeah. to give regen. And then it becomes really really busted yeah it does if you've got two vine grafters then that essentially means you've got an uh two copies of whatever the best unit in you you managed to draft is and you can put that in your market and then it gets plus one plus one and regen uh it's a it's real good (laughs) but uh but onto the rares yes indeed so our first close fire one is pyrotech explosion which is three fire fire deal four damage pyrotech explosion can't be stopped by aegis amplify five double the damage pyrotech explosion deals so uh this is a a very strong card i think uh you know you're dealing four damage which is 
not a thing fire does very often for just three power. And at the late game, you can pay eight to deal eight to your opponent's yep. face and kill them. Um, I've definitely lost to a fire, a fire deck where I was like, do I take the hit? And then I'm like, well, the only card I lose to is pyrotech explosion. And then, <laughs> well, that's and then just they... bad. That's just bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> I would take pyrotech explosion over just about anything. If it did five damage, uh, per, even for like a higher cost, if it was like a four cost card that did five damage, then I would just take it because there's so many things with five health that you want to be able to kill efficiently. Um, but it can't do that. You know, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that there's not very many things with four health in this format. So pyrotech explosion often is wasted if you're using it as removal or it's not a fit. It's not efficient. It's fine if it kills something. Um, but there's not a lot of things that you need to do exactly four damage to. So, uh, it's it just sort of in an awkward spot in this particular draft format. I still take it over practically anything but those top uncommons because it really is a versatile card um, that can that can destroy your opponent's face later on in the in the match. But um, uh, it just sort of uh, yeah, it's 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 awkwardly positioned. Yes. Um, all right. Then next is Siege Supplier, which is the six fire fire two seven. It has double damage and then summon, put the top two cards of your deck into your market. Then if it has seven or more cards in it, draw one of them at random. Yeah. Siege so Supplier this... is very strong. Uh, yeah. It's essentially a four seven um, for six that draws you a card uh, it's because it's not hard to put five cards in your market so that you at least get a random card um, with siege supplier uh, it's just uh, it's just a six drop and i'm usually not starving for strong six drops and it can get chump blocked so um it's just sort of a big dumb card uh, so it's very good but it, it doesn't have the sort of versatility um that uh, that our that our top uncommons have. Then next is heavy artillery, which is the four fire fire, uh, five one relic weapon with overwhelm, and then Valkyrie warp. Play a plus three plus three weapon on one of your units. And I was borderline going to put this above the top uncommons because it does do five damage, and therefore it kills almost everything relevant in the format fairly efficiently. Um, I think it's a little stronger than the last two cards that we talked about for that reason. And then if you can Valkyrie warp it, then it's completely ridiculous. Uh, but uh, even without that, because Valkyrie warping, you can't really rely on, but you know, it's still, it's still relevant. Anyway, what I'm saying is uh, only because the uncommons are so strong. Is this not a first pick above everything card? Cause it is, it is real good. Plus it has uh, overwhelm which is a great thing to have on a relic weapon if you're trying to kill someone uh, if you if you need uh, just to do a few more damage to somebody's face and they have a small unit. It has the, the same advantage as Stone Scar Maul that way, and it is much cheaper than Stone Scar Maul. So um, it's very good that way. It's an excellent card, and I could easily you know see just taking it above any uncommon, um, but I'm still going to take Auto Treader Martial Efficiency over this thing. Yeah, I I agree. I think especially auto tread, it gets more interesting with. Uh, yeah, you probably still take martial efficiency. Just I, the fact that those 
I, the fact that the top uncommons are so cheap in those yeah. two cards just really makes it, uh, like you said, you set a really high bar to pick something. They're cheap it. and they scale well. Martial efficiency gets better and better the more power you're sitting around with. And then auto tread gets better and better, like sort of the more resources that you have. Like you can just sit around sort of. Anyway, we know why auto tread is good. Yeah. And um, then heavy artillery gets better the better you are at drawing your cards in the right order. Yeah, much, much, much better that way. Like if you've already got a few Valkyries, then I'm taking our heavy artillery over anything, uh, yeah. because the Valkyrie warp ability is 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 so absurd. Um, you're just going to randomly win free games off of it. But um, as a as a very very first pick, it's just good removal. Yeah. All right, then uh, next, th- those are all we have in fire. Just those four cards. So we'll move on to time here. And once again, in time, we only have one that we really like above all the other uh, uncommons, and that is Bastion Garrison, which is the four time time relic. Your soldiers have plus one, plus one. When you amplify a card, play a two one soldier for each amplify. Yeah, just a real good card. It is a little weird sometimes uh, if you can't get a lot of soldiers in your deck after you first pick this thing. I've had that happen. Um, it only really needs to give uh, a bonus to most of the of the units in your deck, or even a few of them, really, to have an effect on the board. And amplify cards are common enough um, that that you'll get uh, you'll get a handful of soldiers off of this in a typical game. So, uh, and I think anyone who's played against Bastion Garrison when uh, when when your opponent manages to cast like a hardiness, like I was saying earlier, or Really, anything with a cheap amplify effect on it knows uh, that this card completely wins games by itself. Yeah, um, as long as you have anything that works with it at all. Right, like or like send for the reserves. You double the number of soldiers, more or less, and yeah. and they all get boosted. It's... Yeah, I, I've had more like DM emotes from people who've played Bastion Garrison and then send for the reserves than any other combination of cards in this format. (laughs) (laughs) Like, look what I did. And then the next turn, I did it again. Aren't I great? (laughs) Like, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I can't do anything about this. Opened a really great rare. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Uh, All right. And then um, I guess here's our first disagreement. I kind of would pick... um, Ayer Ageless Behemoth, which is our next card, the six time time seven seven. When Ayer hits the enemy player, draw all power from the top ten cards of your deck, bottom the rest. Um, if the enemy player makes you discard Ayer, play it from your void. Yeah, you had this as 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 a top uh, as a top pick. Yeah, I guess it's just big and overstated and. You don't want to, if it ever connects, you're then allowed to play every, you know, <laughs> all the cards you ever need to play, sort of. Yes. Yeah, no, there's no question that it's good if it connects. Um, I just think it's essentially just a big, dumb six drop. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I uh, again, I'm not going to take that over a really reliable utility card. You know, like yeah. if I've if I've got if I see Metal Fang and this in a pack, I'm taking Metal Fang because Metal Fang can can fly and has lifesteal and creates three bodies, whereas this thing may never get to connect. However, uh, if you 
like getting random free wins through stupid things happening, then Ire is great because maybe it's on the bottom of your deck and someone is playing a Dark Water Vine Stroll Dredger deck against you and they'll play this thing for you for free. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, I've seen that happen and it's obviously very, very good. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, there are a lot of people doing that. That's true. Yeah. And if Metal Fang is any indication, like I have a lot of Metal Fangs at the bottom of my deck. So if I if I replace them with Iyers, I think I'd be doing pretty pretty good. <laughs> well, fair enough. I mean, if your whole strategy is to have your best cards on the bottom of your deck, then yeah, pick Iyer. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I guess yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but it's a good <laughs> idea. All right. And then the other cards that we said were close. Um were Vine Tangler, which is the four time time two four. When you play an ultimate ability, play a three three Mandrake. Ultimate pay seven to give your Mandrakes plus one attack and killer. Yeah, and this is a. I mean, this is a really really good card. Uh, it's just sometimes it's just a, a four power two four because your your game doesn't go to seven power and and nothing really happens. Um, and ultimate abilities aren't so common that you can count on building that kind of synergy. And the same is true for Mandrakes. Uh, but Vine Tangler is super strong. Like if you do get to seven power, then you turn the Vine Tangler itself into a three four with killer, and the Mandrake it creates is a four three with killer, and you probably get to win the game there. And also. Uh, uh the ultimate you know the tech the vine tanglers uh vine tangler can create any number of mandrakes uh as as many as you have ultimate abilities so it can take over a board by itself it's just kind of hard to build a deck around it and so um you know it's a strong rare but not like a rare that i'm excited about unless i've already got a uh, got a deck that can really support it well yeah all right, and then next is uh, Promenade Patrol, which is the three time time two four. When you play a relic, your Sentinels get plus one plus one, and then summon silence each enemy unit with one health. Yeah, and you had this one down on the don't take this above on commons. And uh, my experience with it is just that it it plays better than it looks because silencing enemy units with one health. Uh, hits a lot of stuff that can be a problem. Like all of the units with deadly that have one health, all of the, like a lot of flyers, like if you're up against token flyers and only hybrids and things, it brings them down. Um, it it completely neuters side street monitor. Um, it, it turns off Bastion Garrison's ability. You know, there's a lot of stuff with one health uh, and this doesn't kill them and it doesn't like stun them but it makes them a lot less of a problem. So I've just found that it plays really well, even if you don't have a lot of relics to sit or a lot of sentinels to synergize with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The reason I put this in don't take is not because I don't think it has some power or utility, but I guess I was just thinking, uh, you know, would I take this over um, like a nectar of unlife? you know, like that sort of second tier of really good uncommons and yeah. or a vine grafter. And I feel like I would still probably take a, a vine grafter or nectar on life over over this card. Um yeah. I guess yeah. that's and that's I think that's I fair, but where I'm at with the card right now, I would take it probably I would I would probably take it over those cards. I think it mm -hmm. I think it plays well enough and it does something that no other card can, which is 
kind of kind of neuter an opponent's enti- entire board if they have a few of those one health units out. Um, and then if you do end up getting the kind of deck with a bunch of Okesa's audiences and uh, um, what's the what's the relic that draws two cards? Um, Trump, draws two um, card the Amberlock. Yeah, Amberlock, like Amberlock, that kind of thing. Then you, you then you can end up, you know, taking over a board just with Promenade Patrol. So the upside on it is very high, and then the base is it's got a good body for its cost, and 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 it randomly hoses your opponent. So I I would take it above above Vine Grafter probably. Yeah, and it has a, a a lot of nice synergies. You know, the fact that it's a pretty cheap Sentinel with a big butt. It's yeah. you know. Those are pretty rare, so this is like great with a laser blast. It helps it stabilize as you're trying to get your big sentinels out. Um, yeah, it plays really well in with what time is often trying to do. Yeah. All right, so that's it for time, just those four cards. And then on to justice. Um, so, so I moved all, I moved a lot of stuff around on this one. Y- yes, you did. Um, so so we'll. We'll have. I think we can start with the undisputed, probably best rare in the set. Yeah. And um, that is Decro Vindicated, which is the six Justice Justice five six Valkyrie Flying Endurance. When Decro hits the enemy player, he gets Regen. I think we talked about this recently. Uh, when I fully realized just how strong this card was, because with Endurance, it just hits the enemy player every turn, and it just continually re refreshes its regen and you have to like get the perfect set of cards to be able to handle this besides for a send to market um but then they'll your opponent will definitely have a plate crafter so that doesn't even really get rid of it um this is just a very good card and it's big it only takes five hits to kill you um yeah yeah it's it's a real it's a real bummer if you don't have an answer for uh, for it right away Yep. All right. So that was the take. And then here's where it, it gets a little interesting. We definitely had a different order. So um, the next card that we said take with is uh, Builder's Decree, which is the one justice spell. Choose a non-power card from the enemy player's hand. They can't play cards with that name for two turns. Amplify four. Play a Sentinel with attack and health equal to your maximum power. This is a really interesting card because I think if you like skip the amplify text, it seems like a really bad card. You're like, oh, these cards are never good in limited. Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to skip the amplify text though. <laughs> I no, I I agree, but I I do think there's like some of these cards are weird where the amplify in this set where the amplify has nothing to do with like the main text of the card. So if you're like you're like, oh, Stopping my opponent from playing a card in their hand for two turns is a totally useless card disadvantage ability. Right. Yeah. No, you have to read this as um, essentially a uh, a five power spell that makes um, that makes a, a sentinel uh, equal to your maximum power and also inconveniences your opponent for a couple of turns. Like if they have an answer to your to anything in their hand. Um, in in which case, then it sounds like a pretty good card. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what's really sweet about it is um, is because what you're doing is you're playing a giant sentinel, and if you play it on five, then you get a five five sentinel probably, 
And then you also, like you said, you get to inconvenience your opponent by stopping them from playing a card for two turns, which is usually means they can't play a way to kill it next turn. And so you get in at least one hit with your giant sentinel, which is a great thing to have. And this card is really great no matter when you pick it up. Because even if you never get to nine power, at eight power, you know, you spend five, you get to play an eight, eight sentinel and have three power to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. It plays really well. I, I, I put it, I put it this high because, uh, because I've played, I've, I've never actually gotten to play with it, but I've played against it a few times and it always feels like the game has just swung when, when someone builders decrees makes now, you know, I have to deal with, uh, suddenly a large unit, um, and obviously I can't deal with it with a card in my hand that was able to deal with it. And so it always feels like it really is a good way of stabilizing and swinging the game. Or if somebody's already ahead, then you're just done because you can't play the one card that could have stabilized. So it plays really well. I've never seen it cast for nine, but one would imagine that would end the game since it makes <laughs> two nine nine sentinels <laughs> and then takes away your ability to stop either of them. Yeah, yeah, I've played i've had two decks with this in it and um and that i think as as i said I, you laughed at me but i i did not really appreciate how powerful it was from reading it until it was played against me um once and yeah. then i started taking this very highly too yeah there's definitely a handful of cards that are that read very strangely just because of um direwolf's formatting on these cards where the main ability is second and looks almost like an afterthought um, because it's an amplify ability. Always the amplify abilities are the second listed ability on the card, but that's often the main thing going on. Call on allies is the same way. The the card that where that lets you draw a card for every soldier you have in play is the same, um, where that's really the main thing that the card does. And then the secondary ability is the thing that's first, which makes the card's story very obtuse because you read a card and you expect the main deal with it to be the first thing that you read yeah no i i agree um all right then next is sharp tactician which is the four justice justice two two summon silence another unit sharp tactician gets plus two plus two for each battle skill it had yeah, and this is another one that I moved. Um, I just I don't think there's anything I would take over Sharp Tactician. I love it. It's uh, there's enough units with a lot of um, battle skills that this can. This is usually a six six. I think so. I don't know. Uh, yeah. See, I agree that this should be. I know this is a card that everyone likes. I put this in close for me because. I've drafted multiple sharp tacticians and had them rot in my hand. Sure, sure. While, and it seems unbelievable that this could be rotting in your hand while you're losing a game. <laughs> and, and yet. <laughs> yeah. And yet I managed it. I, I honestly, I wish I could recall a board state because it just seems so unbelievable saying, you're like, well, how are you losing if none of your opponent's units have battle skills and i'm like i don't know but a, f a four cost two two is not going to save me <laughs> i've uh i've silenced somebody's somebody's barricade basher before uh and, and barricade basher improves when you silence it because all it has is reckless but i wanted a four four <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, so, yeah, I, that happens. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So for me, I, uh, I've had this inexplicably rot in my hand too many times so that I've personally lowered it, but I, I do realize that it's probably a good card and yeah, um, I'm the problem. Uh, and then uh in in the close category i actually put this in the take category is um forge sanitizer which is the three justice one one with regen plus four plus four and flying while there's a non-weapon relic in your void yeah uh i very early in the in the draft format i first picked this thing just to see if i could build a deck around it and it worked out it's a very strong card uh, if you can if you can put a relic in your void pretty consistently um i found that i've ended up most of my decks don't have any non weapon relics that can go to the void easily and so uh, this is too much of a build around rare for me to 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 have it be a first pick anymore. It's sort of the reason that I don't take Drifting Drone over absolutely anything either, because uh, sometimes I just can't use the things. Yeah. And this is very similar to Drifting Drone in its requirements, except it's even more strict, because you can't activate this thing with like a gravity glove or something. Yeah, I would say that the upside over just one relic in your void is much higher than on this oh, yeah. than in Drifting Drone. You know, like sure. even with Drifting Drone, the problem is even if you get one relic in your void, it's like a one-two lifesteal, uh, which is like late in the game is sort of, you know, it's it's like whatever. You really want to get multiple relics for Drifting Drone to be good. I, I guess I just, I've never actually played this card so, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. But uh, having lost to, like, a turn four, five, five regen flyer, you know, it's it ha- it, it's definitely a powerful card. So that's why sure. I kind of like it. Yeah, um, I think it's powerful. But again, it's one of those uh, it's one of those cards that I think needs the right deck to be powerful. Uh, so I definitely take it as soon as it looks. If, if I see one of these things pass to me and there's any chance that I've, I'm in a deck that can use it, I'll take it. Because, uh, of course, the upside is you get a 5-5 regen flyer for, for three, but um, I, I just don't think that's every deck. So in the interest of, of, of drafting in a boring way and taking cards early that you're very likely to be able to play, then, yeah, I, I, this one's not super high on my pick list. All right. And then in one that you called close and I said I wouldn't take is um, Patroller's Glaive, which is a two justice plus one plus one weapon with Amplify two plus two plus two Valkyrie Warp Plunder. Yeah, Uh, I just find that it plays really well because uh, because it has Amplify. So it scales perfectly and. and it's just a good way to either make a flyer that can kill your opponent really quickly or 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 just give any unit uh, such a big boost um, that it's difficult for your opponent to deal with. I just find that it plays very strongly. I, I've Valkyrie warped it before, too, and the plunder makes it feel like cheating almost because not only are you drawing your playing your card off the top of your deck, you're also uh, turning a sigil into a into a into a treasure. treasure trove so i don't know i just find that uh that 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 glaive plays so well that i that i take it over uh the, over basically any uncommon but our very best ones 
Yeah, I guess I view this card as like very similar to Mantle of Justice. Um, and I I don't know. It just doesn't seem like like on on its first amplify, it's now a four cost plus three plus three, which is like a strong weapon, but you know, like you can get that and fire with like with overwhelm on top. And obviously this scales up and up, but <clears throat> now we're talking about pretty expensive weapons to be putting on your units that can get blown out with um with send to market or whatever. So like I agree that this is a powerful effect, but it just I I just cannot imagine taking this over a metal thing or an auto tread. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't. I also wouldn't. That's why. I, I, I guess why they are close. In close. Yeah. 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 So I guess if I'm thinking about Nectar of Unlife, then I don't know. It's just I guess I'm always skeptical. A weapon has to be like unbelievable. I think for me to take it, just because. So here's so here's <clears> the thing with this particular weapon is that it has amplify, which means that it plays well with amplify effects, mm-hmm. um, and and uh there's and there's a lot of flyers in the format way more flyers than usual because of all the valkyrie synergy and plenty of flyers in justice uh and so i think that it's i I think the the fact that it goes well with a lot of the main strategies that you're likely to be doing um it pushes it over the edge for me to be a card that you're excited to see and uh, also just the way that it plays in game, like it's another one of those cards where if my opponent's playing it, I'm like, unless I actually have the literal card sent to market in my hand, I'm like, oh, <laughs> they just played a six, six weapon. I don't know what, what I'm going to or a five, five weapon. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see I, you've talked me up a little bit. Um on it so i think i might try it next time i see it but uh, yeah like i said for me a weapon has to be like has to wow me for me to really want to first pick it and this is not quite there yet um but i do agree like you said that it does play well with a lot of what the justice different justice synergies which is kind of interesting all right then on to primal um we have nothing in the take category Though I, I, I you had Skimmer like... Wrangler up there, yeah, and also Gelatinous Form, I guess. But uh, Gelatinous Form, we can talk about. I don't, I don't quite understand that that card and people's love for it. Yeah, I guess the fact it's just so expensive is yeah the, is the real issue. Yeah, but um, so Gelat, yeah, so I I had Wrangler as probably a take. Um, it's a three primal primal four three overwhelm summon stun an enemy unit with flying it stays stunned while you have skimmer wrangler you you know this takes out this takes out a flyer this can't die i wish it had four health that would help it a lot yeah um but it's it's still a pretty powerful card and there are some primal and justice sort of stun synergies too which is uh which is pretty nice so i feel like it it does a lot and can screw up your opponent's game plan so uh, this is on the board this is one of the, the these kind of the primal cards were actually the ones where i was like the least confident about whether it's a take or a close so i can go either way 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a good card. I enjoy playing with it. Uh, and, and I just, uh, again, because because our top uncommons are so strong, then Skimmer Wrangler doesn't quite look like something I want to go in on early. Although, if I'm in the mood to just draft Primal, uh, you know, solid drafting be damned, then... You know, I'll just take a Skimmer Wrangler because it is it's also a fun card. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Your opponent isn't expecting you to play a four three for with overwhelm on turn three. Um, and especially if you manage to take out a flyer. I'm not sure what flyer they would already have on the board at that point. I guess if well, you're going second and they play side street monitor, then you're you're in a pretty good position. Yeah, no, that's a very exciting place to be. Yeah. <laughs> Gel- gelatinous form is kind of an interesting card. This is a seven primal 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 seven seven regen. Amplify two, play a copy of gelatinous form. Uh you obviously need to build a deck that can survive till seven, preferably nine. But yeah, I've never even seen anyone play this card. I mean, as for all I know, a lot of my opponents have had it in their decks and, and it was a bad idea to have it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess I thought maybe you'd be more interested. This is obviously not anywhere near the same, but you were a big fan of Reality Breaker or whatever that card was. Oh, sure. Well, Reality Breaker uh, wipes the board. Wipes out. your opponent's entire board, though. So that's one of the reasons I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe it's just that I recently had an opponent play two gelatinous worms against me and. <laughs> I mean that's going to end the game. It's a good finisher. Um, if you need a good finisher, then then and you like if you if it looks like you've got a slow deck with like a lot of removal and stuff, and it looks like you're going to be able to survive to the late game, then gelatinous form is a good way to end the game after that because you can create an army with one card. Uh, it's just that I don't know I don't know why I would pick this early and then hope to draft that deck because it's a relatively difficult deck type to draft in this format. Yeah, okay, I, I can see it. Seven is, yeah, very expensive. Um, all right, and then our next disagreement is, I think, is a card you had in close, which is Tactical Superiority, which is the four Primal Primal. Kill each stunned enemy unit, amplify, exhaust a soldier to draw a card, and that's a slow spell. <clears throat> so you moved this up to close when I had it in Don't Take, I think, so... Yeah, and uh, should we clarify what our, our categories are again? Just for the sake, because if cause a take means that we're taking it above any uncommon, even the best ones. Close is like it's in contention with the other uncommons, probably below the top three. And then don't take means it's still a good card, but we're not taking it above any of the top uncommons. Yes. yes? Great. So I have played Tactical Superiority in a couple of decks, and it plays really well for me. And this is one of the cards that we were talking about where the first part of the text is not the main part of the card. What this does is draw a bunch of cards. And as a side effect, it also kills all of the your enemies, your enemies uh, units that are stunned, which usually it's really hard to stun more than one unit in this <laughs> format because the main stunning effect um, the main stun spell, Frostbite, has an amplify effect that doesn't stun additional units. So usually tactical superiority um, in a deck that can support it will will kill one enemy unit and then draw as many cards as you have soldiers. That's a great card. <laughs> yeah, uh, see, I guess that's 
That's a theoretically great card. I think, except for the fact that you have to exhaust all your soldiers and then die with a lot of cards in your hand. It's like... <laughs> well, the... what helps is that you've just recently stunned something and then killed it. So yeah, that okay. helps you. That helps keep you from dying. Okay, well... I. I... All I can say is I've played this in two decks. Again, this is probably a me problem. I've, played, <laughs> I've had two decks with this. I have never killed a stunned enemy unit. And every time I've drawn it, I've thought, I sure wish this was just a Wisdom of the Elders. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And because Wisdom of the Elders would have drawn me two cards for one less at fast speed and not exhausted all of my defenses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, um, so I, I guess that's I, that would be my comment. Is this is like a weird card where it reads better? You're like, oh my gosh, I could like draw eight cards. This is gonna be unbelievable. But at least it, in the games that I've played it, I have never been able to draw. It's never been that much better than a Wisdom of the Elders for me, and which makes it not even close to the you know the top uncommons that's fair maybe i might i've had anecdotal good results with it although looking back through my recent huru decks the ones that went seven wins weren't weren't the ones that had this card in it so who knows i don't i don't think it was a detriment to the decks that i had it in but um but it's also like not the the thing that pushed it's not the thing that's pushing my Huru decks over the top, I guess. Uh, that's although I will say that I've had uh, what's it called? Uh, Stormhalt Battalion, the two two, the two two Huru card that just kills a stunned enemy unit. Um, mm -hmm. That's been in a couple of seven win decks for me, uh, and maybe that's because it adds something to the board. I don't know. Uh, it's a similar effect in some ways. Yes. Yeah. So I. I but. Again, I it, like I don't know. We're setting us such a high bar for the cards. That's that's, that's true. my main issue with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe I just have a fondness for it. Uh, I mean, it says draw draw a card, which you know people who play card games tend to. <laughs> it's an ability they tend to love. So yeah, and this one draws potentially up to twelve cards, and so. <laughs> I've never I've never managed to get the uh, tactical superiority and uh, send for the reserves in the same deck, and mm -hmm. one would think that would be a good a good situation for it. Yes, because that's the only way to create multiple soldiers without draw just playing playing cards slowly from your hand. <laughs> right. Um, all right, and then uh, two cards that I think could potentially read powerful or maybe not um but probably don't make the cut um but might still be good in their own right is uh one is the uh down dark scrounger which is a granadin pig it's a two primal two two when down dark scrounger attacks your spells deal plus one damage this turn and then summon you may sacrifice another unit to draw a spell that deals damage from your void um and I, this is a card that I've been trying to play a bunch recently uh, to, to not great effect. I think the main problem with this card is there's just not that many spells that deal damage. And yeah. so it's just 
really hard for it to come together. That's been my experience with it, too. Uh, if there were a few more spells that did sort of incidental damage, um, then then uh, then I uh, I would take this pretty high. But it uh, just never seemed to be in a deck that actually wants it. And I certainly don't know that I'll be able to put that deck together w- in the first few picks of a draft. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've seen a bunch of these sort of like second or third pick. I'm like, is this the day that I draft down Dark Scrounger? And it never quite is. Yeah, yeah, I've tried it. And I think part of the problem is like as the format matures and stuff, you get fewer of those decks with like four conflagrates. <laughs> or Oh, yeah, yeah, for whatever. sure. Do you know if this can get a frostbite back from the void uh, without having played it much? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it can. Yes, it can. OK, yeah. so even though frostbite's damage is in its amp in the amplify part of the card. Yeah, they're pretty. I I haven't tried that specific interaction, but based on when I used to play the uh, the the Skycrag spell damage deck, you know, like cards that just like incidentally deal damage, you could often get back with uh, that five cost spell that <laughs> draws card, draws damage spells, and then oh yeah, them. yeah, I don't know what it's called either. Yeah. That was not very helpful, but you, 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 you can draw a lot of cards with a lot of unexpected cards with that card. Um, anyways, the, the next don't take we have is Invasive Species, which is the one primal 2-1 Reckless Entomb. Add a copy of Invasive Species to your market. Bargain, hit the enemy player while you have no card. While you have no cards in hand. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you take this and then you just put it in your market. You don't play it main deck. You don't even need to be playing Primal, right? And then you yeah. just hope to get rid of all the cards in your hand, and then you get a free 2-1. Yeah, well, I, I did just lose to someone uh, yesterday who played a turn one invasive species, and then I was like, oh, crap. Because as soon as you kill it, it goes to the market. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I guess that's... I mean, certainly if you're in Primal, then you main deck it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's still just a... T- a two one with reckless most of the time it's pretty hard to empty your hand of all of all of your cards and then even if you do that you're just playing a two one with reckless so i don't see it as being all of all that all that scary no matter what yeah i guess i i yeah i agree this one doesn't like read strong but i do think having like a persistent threat that's just like you know your opponent needs to if they're blocking this, it means not they're not blocking something else, and you can. It it's like drawing, it's like drawing half a card every turn in the late game. If you're if you're in an aggressive deck, thinking yeah, mainly yeah, Sky, sure. Skycrag. Yeah, obviously it goes best in Skycrag because then you can get your barricade bashers and you can get rid of the cards in your hand quickly or auto tread. Yeah. All right, uh, then let's get to um, some good, some good cards. Uh, yeah, shadow... get out of that. Get out of primal. <laughs> yeah, in shadow, uh, we have three takes. Um, the first one is reappropriator, which is the three shadow shadow three one flying regen steal an enemy relic while reappropriator has uh, attack equal to or greater than the relic's cost. Um, so spoiler: this is the most prevalent. Uh, rare that we have in our spreadsheet so people are playing with this and winning with it 
Yeah, just as a 3-1 with flying and regen, it's already pretty formidable. Um, but there are a handful of of small relics that you can steal that are really backbreaking. Um, and of course, if you lose the reappropriator, then they get their relic back. But because there are cards like um, like Amberlock and especially Okesa's audience, where you can then sacrifice them, and now they they don't go back to your opponent because they're <laughs> in your void. Uh, it, it can really the reappropriator can just win a game just right on the spot. Because I've done that. I've taken somebody's Okessa's audience and then immediately sacrificed it. And now I've got a 5-5 in my hand and my opponent uh, threw away a card for nothing. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, you, win, you win games that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is like a... a this one, I, I didn't start very high when I hadn't appreciated how strong regen was. But now that we know how strong regen is, uh, you know, it's just this is such a good body because it has regen and then it has like that incidental game winning effect. If your opponent happens to be playing relics. Yeah. Um, all right. And then uh, next in the take is Muck, which is the three shadow shadow four, four decay. When Muck attacks or blocks, it deals one damage to itself, then play an exact copy of it. Um. So I, this one is actually kind of borderline for me, where depending on my mood, I might take it above the best uncommons, and then other times not. Because we had a conversation a few weeks ago where you kind of were downplaying how strong it was, and then thinking about it more, I kind of lowered on it, thinking it wasn't the bomb that everyone was making it out to be. I, I'm of two minds about it. I think it's a very strong card in some ways, and if you have a deck that is like playing shoal dredgers or some way of sacrificing units, then Muldermuck uh, can can give you what feels like an infinite number of units. And then, of course, if you've got like a Vinecrafter or something and you can get it out of your market as a 5-5 with regen, uh, then it takes over a game by itself. But it's one of the few units that literally can't kill your opponent by itself because it will just run out of steam and die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the one interesting thing that Muldermuck does do uh, is when it runs out of steam, it makes all these one ones which can't attack anymore, but they can chump block, which is kind of interesting. So it allows you to like get your opponent down and then win with flyers while you have eight chump blockers or whatever on the ground. Yeah, that is a value for it. Um, it's a very good defensive unit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting. It's a it's a very fascinating card. Um, so I I think it's worth it just because it has a lot of play to it, probably. But I also think it might be slightly overweighted in just how powerful it truly is. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's a very strong defensive card, not a very good offensive card, unless, like I said, you have some way of buffing it. Um, and grafters do do that. Uh, and uh, and that means like it's a little bit of a weird card to f- first pick and be excited about it, mm-hmm. um, because like Shadow doesn't always want to just sort of sit around uh, not attacking. Um, but because of the way Shadow is in this format, um, because like uh, creating a lot of units and then sacrificing them is uh, and then like 
making the price on Shoal Dredger cheaper and that kind of thing. That is part of what Shadow does. Uh, it's usually a very good card in in a Shadow deck. So, And also because Shadow has flyers because of the Valkyrie theme, um, being able to block on the ground an infinite number of times, uh, that's also good. Yeah. Um, all right. And then next is Shadow Creeper, which is the two Shadow 3-1. Nothing can have an Aegis. Ultimate, pay five and discard a card to kill an enemy unit. Yeah. And you had this lower, and maybe that's right. Maybe it should be lower. I just feel like a card that can can turn any card in your hand into a kill spell once seems like it's got to be great. Yeah, I guess, you know, the card that I think of a little bit is Vine Tangler, uh, you know, which we talked about above, the Time one, which yeah. has the pay seven, which is more expensive, but is like, if you get to it, is sort of backbreaking. Um, and this card, while it's a cheaper ultimate, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like you're turning you know you're turning a card in your hand into a kill spell but this is just so fragile and stuff that i don't know it's just like it's a little too fragile for my taste for like a a great card or it, yeah i guess that's yeah. that's my worry with it is just how fragile it is which is why I, I i'm a little lower on it that's fair yeah i can't argue for it being great i just uh feel like i've played Every time I play against it, it usually comes out the turn before it's able to go to go off. Nobody plays it on turn two, and yeah. then like it's a body that like transformed one of one of their sigils into a in, into a cut ties. I'm like, well, that, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. Okay, then next uh, in close is uh, Razor Blades, which is the three shadow shadow deal one damage, play a one one razor. Bot with deadly equal to the damage razor blade deals and then amplify three deal in additional damage mm -hmm. so this uh you, for three you deal one damage and gain and get a razor bot um and then for six you deal two damage and get two razor bots and that damage can be split up and then it yes. goes up from there um this is a card that I think people really like and then <laughs> also constantly underperforms for me. Um, but yeah, I, I it's performed very well for me. So I'm, I'm usually pretty excited to see it, especially if it seems like it was undervalued and it goes late. I'm like, great, I pick, I got a razor blades. Uh, yeah, it's it. Uh, I, there's enough things that will die to one damage and definitely enough things that die to two damage. Um, that this is usually just card advantage all by itself. So I've, I've, it's been fine. It's been fine for me. And also it's it's been really clutch for my opponents occasionally, even if they can't kill one of my units, but I have something like a Shoal Dredger or a Basher left, and that's what I'm planning to win with. And they do two damage to my face and make two Razor Bots. They just won the game because now I have to get rid of two units to be able to close the thing out. So that's... It, I think it's versatile, and of course it scales well because it has Amplify, so generally I just think it's a strong card. But I'm not going to take it above Auto Tread or Martial Efficiency or Vine Grafter or Nectar, um, because those are even more versatile. Yeah, 
Yeah, I guess that my my issue is just how slowly it scales. Like, oh sure, like we talked about, you're like never getting to nine <laughs> to, to nope. deal three damage and get two razor bots. So, um, I don't know. I've I've just had a few situations where it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it hasn't been great, even though it, it, this is one of the cards that my opponents destroy me with sometimes, and you're just right. like, oh, I'm never coming back from that. Yeah. Um, all right, and then this card, uh, I just, you know, it's kind of like a um, a constructed power level card, but I don't know if they're always as good in uh, limited, and that's Exploit, which is the two shadow uh, spell. Choose a non-power card from the enemy player's hand, they discard it, and then you plunder. Yeah, I, I don't know how good this really is in draft, usually. Uh, cards like this uh, often don't play well in limited because there's always a chance that your opponent is just out of relevant cards in their hand. Yeah. And so this is a fairly bad top deck. It can never be a terrible top deck because it does have plunder, um, which often later in the game means that you get to turn a sigil into a treasure trove and draw a card. Uh, but like on turn two, I don't want to be casting an exploit rather than putting something on the board. Even if yeah. I manage to discard something good, like I'm still not, I'm still not doing anything. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's just kind of an interesting card, and it's one of those cards where it's like a very feel bad when your opponent plays it, and then they hit <laughs> your like oh, yeah. win condition. And you're like, oh well. Uh, all right. Uh, On to the multicolored cards. I kind of split these up into two categories: the uh, the techniques and the non technique multicolor cards. So we'll start sure. with the not the non techniques. Um, yeah, the techniques are a cycle of five cards that are similar to each other. So we're 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 starting with the cards that aren't those. Yes, exactly. So in the takes, uh, number one, we have Linex Molten Wing, which is the three fire fire justice three three flying. When you play a weapon, Linex deals the weapon's cost in damage to an enemy, and um, yeah, this is a very strong card. It can deal a lot of damage. It synergizes really well with both fire and justice cards. Yeah. Um, and fire and justice is a very, very good combination to be in. So you're not, I think, not that upset to play its um, influence requirements, which is fire, fire, justice. So this is a card that I'm happy to take early and can win a game on its own. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's just enough weapons where it... Um where you're you're pretty likely to be able to just put this in your deck and have enough support for it to justify it. Uh, a lot of the time, you're just going to be playing like a Gravity Glove or something, and Linax will only do one damage. But in this format, that's often enough to kill something relevant. Yes. Yeah, and that is the one thing. is uh, Unlike spells, uh, weapons do not amplify their cost. So Linax right. will see them as a one-cost unit. Yeah. And then, like other another card that might you might com combo this with is uh, Malaga Munitions, uh, which creates a two-one weapon. Um, but it's a three-cost relic. But the weapon it makes costs one, so Linax mm -hmm. still only does one damage. Just things to know if you're playing it. Um, but then there are a few weapons that are big, and uh, and then you play them <laughs> with Linax, and then you you win the game with them. Yeah, for example, there's uh, Call. Call on Allies, uh, which yeah. plays five-cost weapons for free. 
Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good, <laughs> Linux. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's actually the one card that I have in the take category. For me, yeah. these next two cards, while I will admit are very powerful, because they're in the color combinations they're in, I'm less comfortable taking them early. Uh, so... We so have, I boosted these two. Yeah, I put them yeah. I put them higher because of my personal experiences with them. And, you know, your mileage may vary. Yeah. So then we have Express Route, which is the four Xenon put an enemy unit on the bottom of its owner's deck. It gets minus one health for each other card in that deck. So this is just an unconditional kill spell. It's better than that because it doesn't put it in the void. It puts it at the bottom of their deck. They can never get it back because it's going to have, like, negative. Yeah. 20 health you can't even be gotten back from the market like send the market sent to market yes so i agree this is like a very very good spell i just the fact that it's in xenon and i have i think yet to play a xenon deck um, i i'm i just am i'm fine splashing this thing yeah yeah i i guess that's true <sighs> But I, I don't know. I feel like there's enough removal in the format. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Like I don't know. Sometimes I struggle to get unconditional removal. Um, there's, an, there's a lot of removal in the format, but you can't kill everything with it. And Express Route just takes care of anything. So Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, th- I can see taking it. I'm just like... It's not, it's not that... It's not even that cheap, really. I don't know. It's just like... It doesn't excite me. I think it's a really good card, and I'm if if I ever drop Xenon or have a deck that can splash Xenon, I would be happy to take it. But I don't know if I'm taking it over Martial Efficiency. Fair enough. Um, all right, then Customs Officer, which is the four Legion four three summon, put an enemy unit into its owner's market in Tomb. That unit's owner plays it from their market. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong to to think so highly of this card, but I've just found that it's it's a pretty backbreaking card. Um, I mean, it's a card that puts some puts a unit onto the board and then removes one of your opponent's units. I you can say that it's a drawback that they can get that unit back, but like before you play the customs officer, they had that unit. You know, like it's not it's not a big deal that they get it back unless it's got a really killer summon ability or something like that. Um, and also, you can abuse Customs Officer a few ways. If you can transform it with Fluctuate Reality, they never get their unit back. If you teleport your Customs Officer, uh, they don't get their unit back. Um, I've had a game against somebody who teleported their Customs Officer twice. It was really <laughs> not possible for me to win that game. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I think that it's, I mean, I think that it's obviously a very strong card. Uh, and I think it's splashable if you happen to be in either time or primal. And of course, those aren't the strongest factions in this format, but uh, I, I do fine with time. But also it goes very well into the general soldier deck, which is time, justice, and primal. Um and like, there's various different synergies that you're gonna have, some with soldiers, uh, and it's not a bad deck. So I'm usually like, customs officer is gonna be one of my bombs in that deck if I go into it. So for me, it goes over the line to where it's a uh, it's a card 
that is so strong if the deck works out that it's worth taking the risk of of having a two faction um card that i may have to splash for right yeah i i agree and um the fact that the most common removal send to market doesn't effectively deal with this is kind of a kind of a nice true yeah they have to have a specific way of killing it in order to get their unit back they have to do it like i mean there's plenty of ways to do it but santa market doesn't do it yeah yeah so no i think it's a strong card again i i'm i i don't like taking double or multicolored cards um so they have to be like really special like uh like a metal thing yeah in order for me yeah or linex and that makes sense uh, I just um, think Customs Officer is on that level. Just my experience with it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. All right. And then in the close to not very close um, line is uh, Short Hopper, which is the four uh, Fire Primal 4-4. Four, four. It says summon, discard a spell from your market to give Short Hopper flying. If it has an odd cost or plus two attack, if it's even, and then you may pay six to draw a spell from your void and give it void bound. Yeah, I don't know. I I I almost would put this on the in the take category as well because it is super strong. Like it's basically a four four flyer for four, and then it can later get a spell back. Like that's that's a great card. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I guess the weird thing is you have to you have to discard a spell from your market and you have to, it has to be the right type of cost, which is kind of interesting. So you can't just discard a unit or whatever. It's not discard any card from your market. That's true. Yeah. You have to set it up, which is, which can be a little bit weird. Although if you do get the card that stuns a, um, stuns an, an an opponent's unit when you discard it, then that's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, that is yeah, really sweet. And the other thing, again, is just like uh, Skycrag is like not is like a kind of a weird faction. So this is a strong card, but in kind of like a faction, I'm not super excited about. That's fair. All right, then there is Battle Bear, which is the six uh, Justice Justice Primal Primal six six Bear Soldier. It has Regen, and when Battle Bear regenerates, it gets plus four, plus four, and Berserk. This uh, is... Yeah, I don't think that you even had it listed as a card that was draftable, but I think it's pretty good. I've, I've, I've played against it where it was uh, where, where it was kind of hard to, to stop. Because at least, I mean, if you block it, then it becomes an unholy terror, you know? Yeah, I, I guess I, I'm maybe just missed it honestly yeah you probably just missed it it is that uh, it's actually sort of up there in our top rares which is uh kind of surprising uh because it's such a heavy influence cost and it's not like we have that many huru decks but a lot of the huru decks we have have a battle bear in them um yeah it just sort of it just sort of ends the game once you've you've like a whole bunch of of other cards have traded and then you put this thing down and they may re- maybe they're out of removal if they have removal then battle bear was a, wasn't very good <laughs> but yeah um, <laughs> yeah it, it's just that it's a 10 10 with berserk if, if they if they try to stop it and it's so hard to stop because it has regen 
Yeah, no, it's definitely like this would be I would consider this like an absolute bomb take if it was six justice primal. The fact that it's like double justice does double primal is like, I don't know, but maybe I'm just like, I don't know. I'm I feel like I'm obviously maybe overvaluing the like putting myself in a lane early with these uh multi-faction cards uh yeah i don't know you're still taking you're taking a risk that you won't be able to play them with any multi-faction pick for sure uh we're just sort of talking about whether the risk uh, whether the power level of these cards is worth that risk yep all right and then finally in our don't take is uh clear the way which is the nine cambrai play two three six road makers uh, and amplify sacrifice a relic to pay three less for clear the way. Yeah, and I've played against this card when it was ridiculous. Like somebody played a relic on turn one and turn two, and then played clear the way on turn three, and had like a scourstone sentinel in hand that they then played for free with the roadmakers. That happened to me in a game, and I lost that game. Uh, but I don't think it's easy to make that happen. I think usually that's like a a high high risk high reward way to build a deck that most of the time won't pay off. Yeah, I, I agree. This is, you need a lot of things to go right. And the fail case on this is pretty high as it's a nine cost. um, Yeah. Nine cost unit. And like a lot of, there's like a lot of relics that can sacrifice themselves in this format, but you are losing value by sacrificing them, sort of. So I don't know. It's yeah, uh, you're not getting like if you if you sacrifice uh, like an amber lock, then you did draw a card when you played the amber lock, and then when you sacrifice it to play clear the way, so you're not really like losing anything. It's just awkward. Yeah, or even like Okes's audience. You know, I I really kind of want that five five. I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, is it worth sacrificing the five five? in your hand i mean sacrifice is the wrong word to use is it worth not getting the five five in your hand so that you can get two three sixes now i don't know uh yeah. it's card. it's not card advantage but maybe you never get to cast the clear the way if you don't sacrifice the okessa's audience to it i don't know it makes it it makes everything it makes everything difficult for you if you have a yeah. clear the way in your hand because you've got to weigh all these possibilities in a way that's versatility uh but uh, you're basically setting up your deck with a puzzle in it where you're constantly trying to figure out how you're going to cast your spell. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So then, do you have anything you want to say about the techniques? I don't know if we need to read all of them, right? No. The the things that they all have in common, um, they're all they're all two-faction. They all cost one. They're all fast spells. Uh, they they each have three modes. One of the modes is always to create and draw a random member of the the relevant tribe to those two factions. So, uh, soldier, mandrake, sentinel, etc. Um, this the 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 second uh, the second mode will be to give plus two plus two to a member of that tribe and some special abilities such as life steal or quick draw. And then the third mode will be unique to each of those cards. Um, usually a fairly minor effect, although actually some of them are major effects, but they're only applicable in very specific situations. Like you can only kill a unit with, that costs at least six. 
Um, so I think that these cards are tough to take first pick. Um, but once you're sure that you are going to be able to play one of them, they're really good because they're so versatile. Because um, even if you can't find a way to apply two of their modes to the current game state, you can always take your chances and just make a random card, which could be really good, might not be, but it's never a useless card. So I think these never get cut from your deck if you're in the appropriate factions, but they're not powerful in a way where you want to warp your your whole draft around them the yeah. way some of the, some of the two faction rares are yeah i i agree that was a, a great summary of the techniques uh, it was kind of interesting at the end of the uh after we did our uncommon episode tempest dragon king said he was excited to hear our rare episode because he has a lot of thoughts about the rares and i have a sneaking suspicion He's going to say something crazy about how great the techniques are and how you should be excited to take Tezzerak's technique and then draw a random Grenadine or something. Uh (laughs) But uh, I am excited to hear his comments on this episode. All right. And then finally, to close out the show, I I thought we'd do a quick rundown of the uh, top rares that are showing up um, in our spreadsheets. So number one is like I said, reappropriator. Um, and there are 26 of them, which is a huge gap between uh, number two, which is uh, a non-Echo or Empire of Glass card, Wasteland Broker with 18, or number three, Dejang Lee, the Misfit, which is uh, number 17, um, or has 17 copies in the spreadsheet. And the the interesting thing about this is... Uh, like we've been mentioning with the commons and uncommons, you know, fire is by far our most common faction. Um, so you would just expect to see more fire rares on average than um, shadow rares because there's just fewer shadow decks. And so the fact that there are so many reappropriators kind of means one of two things or a little bit of both. One, that it is incredibly powerful or two, that it is an undervalued card, so good drafters are able to take them later or get more copies of them and then pilot them to seven wins. Um, yeah. And that yeah, would probably, some combination of those things. And that would probably be my feeling on why Reappropriator is just uh, so much more prevalent than the others. Because it's like more prevalent than Decro. Uh, vindicated um, for example and I think you would obviously if you could pack one pick one you would pack one pick a decro over a reappropriator um, yeah I would yeah and so I th- the the fact that there are fewer decros I think just means that not that it's a weaker card but probably just that more it's a more obviously powerful card and so more people are picking them and so you get fewer of them picked yeah you're not you're right exactly yeah but you will see reappropriator pick two and three occasionally yeah exactly um all right and then after that number um is moldermuck uh at 15 then sharp tactician uh which is a i guess a point in um hats's favor at 13 copies 
And then we have Linex Molten Wing at 13 copies, which is, again, interesting because it is a dual faction card, so you would expect to see fewer of them. Um, then we have Heavy Artillery and Siege Supplier and Ixton Merchant. Um, again, fire being pretty prevalent. Then uh, Shadow Creeper, uh, Blazing Salvo, and Pyrotech Explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of so these are, some of these are just market cards. Yes, the Blazing Salvo and the Ixton Merchant, yeah. Yeah. And then um, the those were the top 10. Um, and then the one other one of note is actually with 10 copies, uh, like I mentioned, is Battle Bear. Uh, which is pretty interesting because JJPP is pretty hard to cast. So the fact that we have 10 of them is, I think, a pretty impressive feat and speaks to the strength of the card. Sure. Yeah. And then Builder's Decree is is up there with 10 copies as well. Yes. So, uh, So a lot of the cards that we talked about have also just been showing up. I guess you would expect that because Hats is obviously pretty good at evaluating cards. Um. So, yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed that episode. It's kind of fun to talk about the rares. Uh, like we, like I mentioned in the beginning, it um, there weren't actually that many rares to talk about because uh, they're just not, I think, as powerful or game-warping as rares can be in certain formats. So it's pretty yeah. interesting. And the rares really were pretty powerful in the last format and uh and that's why we did a whole episode from of me just complaining about them i don't feel the need to do that in this format none of the rares are so crazy that i'm like here comes that linax molten wing again it's like yeah it's a good card but i'm not i don't feel like it's unfair that they printed it the way i did with severin yeah and i think also because linax you know there is a little bit of a color commitment so they had the yeah and then they had to work for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But and, and then the thing I will say is there the rares do sharply drop off. There are a lot of clunker rares in this set too that are just not draft playable. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there's a lot of weird ones. Um all right, so I think we'll end our show there. Uh, I hope this worked. This has been recorded and that my mic is <laughs> is working and my voice is clear. So yeah, we'll end our show there. So thank you again to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can join us in our Discord. There will be a link in the show notes. Uh, it's a great place to talk draft. And then finally, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts um, that she posts each week for us. And don't forget to send all your 7-1 deck lists you do this week to farminginternal at gmail.com. Remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Good night.